Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you for listening to Spin, the rally pod, brought to you by Dirtfish Rally School. For your chance to experience life behind the wheel of a rally car, head to drive.dirtfish.com to find the course that's right for you. What are you waiting for? We're right here waiting for you. It's the last week of January and that can only mean one thing in the world of rallying. It's time for Monte Carlo. Hello and welcome to Spin the Rally Pod. I'm James Bowen and here to help me talk you through everything you need to know about the WRC season opener are three very distinguished guests. We have former WRC team boss George Donson. Hello, George. Good morning, sir. We also have Alistair Lindsay. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, James. Morning. And of course, we couldn't do Spin the Rally Pod without David Evans. Morning to you, David. He could. He could. You should never feel obliged. Particularly at this hour, you should never <laughs> feel obliged. I'm always willing to skip it, but actually I'm not. James, it's a delight, as ever. Always ready to talk rallying. Brilliant. We're glad to have you, David. Um, guys, lots to get through today. Uh, lots new on the Monty this year. And really, one of the biggest changes, David, is the Monte Carlo Rally this year isn't actually based in Monte Carlo. So we're up in the French town of Gap for our service park. What, why the change? Yeah, I, the change is because basically anybody who's been fortunate enough to go to Monaco in recent years will see that Monaco is slowly, seems to be doubling itself in size. Uh, there's a huge amount of kind of land grab going on and they're building out into the into the sea uh, and it, there's a whole heap of building work going on around Monaco right now and where the service park is I think it's just a little bit too busy um, so so yeah so we can't go to Monaco um, but we can go to Gap and it's one of those isn't it you know I'm constantly torn between where the Monte Carlo rally should really be based because if we stay in Monaco, the, the current thinking with Roots is that we're contained within this sort of Alp-Maritime area and, and you don't always get good snow, you don't always get changeable weather. Whereas if you go up to Gap, you are in the heart of the mountains. Uh, and of course, you can go north from Gap, which takes you even further north and, and potentially into more snow and more weather. But you wrote a brilliant piece about it, James. You know, is it Monte Carlo or is it Gap? And, you know, the pros and cons of, of both. Um, and actually, I have to say, Ian Grindrod, a great friend of the show and great friend of all of ours, uh, co-driver to the stars and genius in his own right, Ian picked you up and said, actually, there is a little bit more than just a, a, an all-you-can-eat all Chinese banquet to eat and uh, where to eat in, in Gap. Uh, but he appreciated, oh. the, uh, he appreciated the piece and appreciated the dilemma. Uh, it's, it's a tricky one. Yeah, th- that's the reason why we're in Gap. And I would say one thing that makes Gap even better in this kind of era of rallying is Sebastian Ogier. 
um, because to see the number of Ogier yeah. fans that will come to to what is his still, you know, it's not his hometown anymore, but it was where he was born and brought up. Uh, it, it's incredible. Um, so that really adds to the atmosphere. You do get a great atmosphere in in Gap. You can walk around. You know, there's there's fires burning, there's sausages being made. It's just it's a really nice atmospheric service park, which you don't get in in Monaco. Uh, you know, you get all of the beautiful people coming in and out of Cafe de Paris or whatever. Um, but Gap just feels a bit more real. So does that answer the question? I'm not really sure. But I anyway, we'll get to Gap. I've- we're going to Gap exactly, and um, we were there between 2014 and 2021, so it's not entirely new. Uh, it's a kind of a move back to what we had previously. Uh, for, yeah. for how long, we don't know. Yeah, no, we don't, and that's that's a little bit in question. I think I'd be, I, I kind of think that Gap probably should have asked for at least a two-year deal, but you know, when it's the Automobile Club de, de Monaco, the ACM, you don't really get to ask for deals. You kind of get told what you're going to get. And Gap would be just be really very grateful to have the Monty back because obviously it brings a huge amount of trade and a huge amount of business into the town. Um, and without having the service park there, there's really there's nothing goes on in Gap because the stages don't come that far north. Um, but it is it's a great addition. Uh, do you, I mean, George, you've you've driven you you know more Montys than than I could ever know. Uh, and, and, you know, the addition of Gap brings you the likes of Sister on and, and other great stages like that, doesn't it? It does. It does. I'm just I've just been busy looking at uh, the, I've spent I've spent the last four or five days just starting to track the temperatures down, uh, the freezing temperatures, when it melts, when it freezes. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of action going on up there, but sadly it would appear no snow. And quite warm temperatures. We are going to see warm temperatures, guys. Simple as that. Extremely warm. Crisp, crisp at the moment, but it's going to start to get frosty. I mean, the guys are, the guys are going to be all there today. Aren't they? they reckon must start today, I guess. So they would have been there last night. It's currently minus two point eight in Gap itself. Up on the stages, for instance, at uh, the Selenet stages, I call it Selenet, uh, which is I think is that stage is that stage, th- no, it's stage five, stage five, five yeah. eight today, and then fifteen on on the uh, on the Saturday. Or is that actually no? It's actually the Sunday, isn't it? I think that's the Sunday. Uh, anyway, the um, it's uh, it, it's um, it's cold up there. It's minus was it minus six, minus six point two or something at selling it, but but dry and 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 you know during the rally it looks like it's barely going to be freezing, but but I think it will you know on the calls it will get cold. There will be snow and, and the usual water coming over the road, so there will be some jeopardy. But that's, you know, the, the teams will be doing exactly as I'm doing at the moment. They will be tracking all the weather stations they can find, and there's a multitude available to try and understand when the roads are freezing, when they're melting, and then you fine-tune where you put your weather crews and fine-tune exactly when you want your gravel crews to go. You have a relatively small window to make that possible. So then you, you do that, but then you, you have caveats on the information they're getting so that the crews have everything in front of them. There, there are no unknowns. Um, and most interestingly, David, I was just listening to your uh, your your uh, video cast with, uh, with Elfin Evans yesterday as I drove up the road from Edinburgh, pulling a rally car, actually, um, on, a, on, a, on a trailer. And uh, I was listening to how much homework he does just during a regular day, he is at videos, looking at stages, learning them, understanding them, 
trying to see where he wants to make his notes better or different, understanding where there was water that year, where there was water this uh, the previous year. It changes depending on, on uh, how much snow there's been, of course. I don't know how much snow there is in the mountains around there, but uh, I mean, there has been some, but I think it's all kind of melted a little bit, hasn't it? I, I think so. There's, there's a couple of things to, to pick up on, on there, George, from what you just said. Firstly, the, the Elvin uh, interview, you know, what struck me in, in the conversation that I had with, with Elvin, which was great, and you can go and watch that on, on Dirtfish's YouTube channel or, or tune into the podcast we were talking about the amount of work and it is staggering and I can't really imagine that anybody does more work uh, than, than him. You know, it's every day, like you say. And, and I said, do you not just, do you not just fancy a break? You know, would you consider a part season? And he said, no, you know, when you're in it, you're in it and you're not in it forever. So when you're in it, yep. be in it. Um, and, and that, you know, that de- really demonstrates a commitment. The other thing that's interesting is, we we were all sent a brief from uh, from James on this podcast, <laughs> and weather was quite clearly marked as Alistair's territory, and George has just Apologies, st- steamed yeah. straight Steam, in there. Steamrolled in. Yes. Yeah, so, but to, to answer the initial question you asked, David, yes, I mean Mon- Monte Carlo used to be the final destination, and then you did a final loop out of it. So Monte Carlo never had to be the the event base. It was all about driving from all over Europe. And even, you know, as recently as the as the nineties we were still doing that. And then congregating up in uh, up in uh, Valence or or, or uh, um, I mean quite often yeah Valence was a very traditional uh, meeting point. And then we went off to the Ardèche stages for a day, sometimes even two days in that area. And then and then moving across to Gap for the next leg. Uh, and then down into Monaco, so driving like over Turini and everything on the way into Monaco, and then another lap out of Monaco, which was just the last, you know, 60 cars or whatever it was. Top 60 cars could only compete in the last lap, and then you would do another, you know, full day and and, and a night lap almost. Uh, It was incredible. Yeah. Um, So, yes. And with with the move back to Gap this year, George, it sees the return of a few classic stages. Um, We've got shortened version of sister on to open the rally on on thursday night i mean start of the season doesn't get much tougher than that it's pretty good it's a shame it's not the full 30 it's 38 or 39 kilometers all the way down into sister on that would give them a good descent they're running south to north this year um, yeah. and and it will be quite dry there's always one bit of uh, of the stage that stays in the shade but i'm not sure if that's not before the finish, so well, effectively after the finish, but I don't think it is. I think it's up up above the finish. So there might be a little bit of ice in it, but it'll just be a couple of kilometers, if if that, not even that. I think actually one and a half k's or something. So if it's there at all, but the temperatures seem to be so high. I mean, the air temperatures showing by the weekend, daytime air temperatures up at uh, seventeen, so at eight nine degrees. So not in the teens, but eight nine twelve degrees in 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 one case around the stages so yeah we're, we're likely yeah. to see um the roads quite clear and is it presumably weekend. it's it's probably snowing in, in monaco isn't it that was the way i that will be the way i look goes yeah, yeah well <laughs> I, I don't believe it is no I, I, to be honest i haven't there are so few stages down in, in monaco there's really just the the little line well, and, and it's hard to call call the turini when you stop just short of the call honestly Honestly, there's obviously a reason for it. Uh, maybe safety. Uh, maybe just you know, in order to get people up there, it's probably to allow 
the TV crews to get in there and conduct all their business. But honestly, uh, so they'll get a lovely show and they're getting a show of absolutely nothing. I, I think those people have lost their minds, David. I get the podium. Why you would go all the way right down, the all the way down to, uh, all the way down to the, the, the proper finish. You know, it, it's just it's just absolutely foolish beyond all belief. So, Alistair, George has teed, teed this up. Uh, it's going to be a dry Monty by the looks of it. Does that mean it's going to be a boring Monty? Oh, I try not to be pessimistic, but I mean, <clears throat> looking at the Yama Rally, for example, that happened in Austria earlier this month, it, it was a bit, you know, so-so predictable. Then the snow and ice came and it all just kicked off after that. And just looking at that... It, you can't say that Monty is as good without the snow and the ice. Look, yeah, okay, it's still the Monty, but you're you're ripping the the fundamental character of the event out of it. And that's not to say we're going to get a bad, boring Monty, but it's still it's not the real thing, so to speak. You're just missing you're missing the magic. Uh, it, it just becomes well. I see another tarmac rally. If we don't get any snow and ice, it actually becomes, in theory, the cleanest. Uh, tarmac rally of the season because you look at you know Croatia, Central Europe, Japan. It always rains. There's mud on the line, etc. So okay, you don't have the classic Monty anymore, but actually you kind of still have a unique event on its own with the way the calendar is constructed now. Even if the cold snap never arrives. Yeah, I think I think uh, a, a dry Monty will, it'll still be fast. It'll still be a spectacle. It just it just won't be. I mean, actually, when you go and see an icy, snowy Monty these days, and you see the cars in a snowy bit, it's unbelievably boring because the cars are all on slicks because nobody's allowed to fit the right tires now for the right conditions on a particular stage. It's always a compromise, and you watch a car being driven over over uh, Col di Turini and with snow on the top, and it's not going flat out because because it can't because he's on slicks because he'll lose too much either side of the call. Um, although it's always been like that, in fairness, uh, and, and the car still used to come on into sight beautifully sideways across the call. So I think it'll still be an interesting event. I just wish that all that Mont- the last stage, uh, there's plenty of parking in Mouligny. That would have given them a 30 odd kilometre stage. And if they'd gone all the way down to Sospel, that must be that must be up close to 40 kilometres. Um, uh, and then there's lots of parking down there for your TV trucks. Imagine if the Monte after a 40-kilometre last stage, David. Oh. That sounds like the business, doesn't it? It does. There's a power, there's a power stage worthy of the extra points. Yeah, well, yeah. You've, you've earned it there. That, and I'm sure we'll come on to the points thing uh, shortly, but just I, I kind of agree with, with what you say, George, about... Um, about the the Turini, uh, it it does seem a little bit of an odd decision just at that most iconic place to stop, just short of that right hander coming up through the junction between the hotels. Um, but I think James, you pointed out it, the, the thinking is that I'll put the power stage podium there, which will give them uh, an iconic picture. Um, but I, maybe we're just being a bit too traditional about it, George. You know, it's it's still going to no, be a huge challenge. No, no, challenge. actually, 
I, well, well, I think I think the event will still be fantastic. I think mm. that finish that uh, when you know what's the point of going to Calderchirini if you're not going to drive over it? For goodness sakes, it's a, well, they are it's the, iconic. That they are going to the Calderchirini, beyond all belief, and and they're actually going to make more of a mark a on the Cold. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, nothing. I agree. It's it, it's it's yeah. It's a, it's a real shame. For me, they should have yeah. just turned it into one of these uh, exhibition driving zones, at the very least. You know, if you're not going to actually have the cars properly passing over the call, at least, you know, give give the top guys a chance to do some donuts, chance to put on a little bit of a show, even if it isn't a, a timed bit of stage. You know, give them give them something to watch up on the, yeah. the top of the call. It, it is going to be. Excuse me of being a traditionalist, but honestly, what you've suggested is just an absolute profanity it's a gorgeous stage which should be driven traditionally for goodness sakes guys what are we thinking about and it is this is a travesty but it is going to be it's going to be weird as well because you yes you want spectators will want to go and see the finish and all of that but traditionally people that have traveled up to the top of Turini have all congregated at that sort of central section between between the hotels as i say that one stretch of road uh, and will you get the same numbers there to just watch the podium? I I don't think you will. Uh, so no, of course not. It, it'll be there's nothing else to odd. watch up there. Do no. you? you can't even see down to the stages. You no, know, exactly. It's, it's it, the sides are steep. They road it's vertiginous on the way up there. There's nowhere to spectate except up there. A couple of people can get down the end of the stage. Maybe that suits the suits the promoter, the organisers for whatever reason. Hey, look, they might have really good reasons, and I apologise if I've dissed them. For something that I, for an aspect that I can't see, but honestly, why even bother going there? Yeah, yeah. No, you're well, very at, much in, at the risk of your uh, opinion. At the risk of causing more profanity, uh, let's let's move on and have a look <laughs> at the entry list. Um, David, we'll start with Rally One. Uh, as we know, eight cars entered in Rally One. Now, I, I think this, according to my research, this is the lowest number of top class entries perhaps ever for the Monte Carlo Rally, certainly in recent times. But what we lack in numbers, we make up for in just how close the competition is going to be. Yeah. That's, and that's it. I think we, we absolutely focus on, on that, James, you know, because we've talked a lot about the fact that there's going to be really just the three drivers in, uh, in the championship fight this year, and, and there is. But on every rally, there is going to be more because obviously we, we've got... We've got Auger here. We've got Mickelson as well. And a lot could be expected from these guys. I think like George said, or like somebody said earlier, it is difficult to to find that same element of opportunity on a bone-dry Monty uh, because you don't get the 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 chance to gamble on tyres and, and what have you. And uh, But I, I still think it's going to be a great race. Uh, and I think in, in some ways when we have a really dry event like this, it's a very... It's kind of a pure race, isn't it? I think we've kind of covered this as well a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that you know everybody knows what they're going to get, so it is literally just bolt on your slicks and go as quickly as you can. There's there's nothing complicated about it, um, and it's it's always regardless, almost regardless of how many people uh, arrive and drive in in Monte Carlo. It's the the Monte Carlo Rally in its own right. It's a massive occasion, um, and it's it's one of the events that every year. You get super excited about it. It's the, for me, Dakar's great, and and the reason Colin's not with us this morning is because he's he's having a bit of a lie-in from <laughs> from all those ridiculously <laughs> early starts in his tent uh, for the last two weeks in Saudi. 
Dakar's great, Yana Rally's great, but it's Monte Carlo that starts our season, and it's here again. Um, and it's it's brilliant, great, really exciting event. Um, it's one that I always look forward to. So, yeah, it's hopefully we don't get Sebastian Ogier making a, a bit of an advantage and building a sort of 30 30 odd second lead and then just running through that will he do that now i mean this is the issue isn't it with the points championship uh with the with the way the points are now set up in the championship and sorry if i've jumped the gun here a little bit james in the in the agenda um but for people like ogier and the part-time drivers calais and ep and mickelson and, and co they're not so stressed about the the number of points they're going to score they just want to finish sunday evening first in the classification um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how that new points structure uh, changes the way the part-time drivers do their Sundays. Um, but absolutely. The, the, sorry, mate. No, Ogier wants the trophy, doesn't he? But all of the full-time championship contenders they want maximum points. And in your very good interview with Elvin Evans last week, you know he pointed out that you know what 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 is a win now? You know is a win. Uh, who's got the fastest time or is it the guy who comes out with the most points Um, you know it could be two different things and Monty's perhaps the first time we could see that yeah it 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 is it's very very complicated you know and one big thing uh, one really really important aspect of this is is the approach that's been taken by the governing body by the FAA we did a lot of research into into a story about the points as as you can imagine uh, and, and sources within the FAA have told me that they will keep an eye on this. Um, and if everybody's fears are realised that, you know, it is it is very complicated to understand, it's very hard to get across to the fans, then they're not afraid of changing, which I think, you know, all power to them. Uh, they, A lot of people are, are, are being quite critical of the FAA here and saying that, you know, this is all the FAA's idea. It's not. Patently, this went through the WRC Commission. It was discussed by all of the stakeholders. And, and the stakeholders came to the agreement, put this to the FAA. The FAA, I'm told, said, is this what you want? Yeah, it's what we want. So the FAA's implemented it. So, you know, it's it's kind of not the FAA's fault, really. They've they've reflected exactly what's been, they've been told, required in the championship. Uh, I'm told this this actual idea came from, from one of the teams, uh, I was told uh, it was Cyril Abitable. Cyril says it wasn't um, in in that same story. Uh, who knows? Um, it's it's for me. It's enormously complicated. Uh, I can understand where it's trying to go and what it's trying to do, but it's fraught with with potential pitfalls. And like Elvin said, again, you know, it would have been much more straightforward just to give him new set of tyres for the power stage and potentially a bonus point on every stage. Uh, on on every Sunday stage, um, and just leave it at that. You know, I'd I'd done a little bit of the maths to understand that the guy finishing second could could go w- away with more points. Elvin had gone a step further and said the guy finishing fourth can still take away more points than a win. That's not really right, is it? No, it categorically is not, David. It's it's an absolute travesty, and and uh, you wonder quite what these commissions are doing when they come up with that. And I I've been on a few of them. To understand that there's a lot of a lot of wrist ringing goes on and best intentions and a lot of clever people doing it, but but still somehow uh, that that would appear to be a miss to me. 
but the one thing to consider is the, the flip side that okay you you give him a fresh set of tires for the power stage that doesn't fix if you have you know four or five guys who are all a minute apart each yeah okay they might be saving a little bit of tires for the power stage but also they're just not gonna push period and i guess the thinking is that sundays need to be more of a polished product as it were you know sunday is a day when the world turns to sport for entertainment and that is going to be the day in theory that the most eyeballs internationally will be on the world rally championship so if you turn up on a sunday and most of the action's already done and you're trying to bring new fans in what are they looking at they're just looking at people driving at a, you know 95 percent or whatever it is not pushing not nothing at stake until the power stage so what do you do for the rest of the day until the power stage even if you did give them new tires for for that final stage of the day and the bonus points how do you how do you I, fix I don't that think, i don't think the spectacle of the of the the sport changes much at all if you're out there actually physically watching the cars there's no way you can tell the difference between that. Well, I mean, ultimately, if someone's absolutely, you know, nailing it and, and, you know, scraping around every corner, that's the person that they will not have got to Sunday anyway. Um, but, but those cars being driven fast, it's just such a visceral experience as they go past you. And even even the, the WRC2 cars, it's exactly the same. It's a visceral experience. It's an absolute spectacle to watch. It maybe doesn't translate well to the competition element for, for TV, for our TV product or our internet product, whatever it happens to be. It maybe doesn't translate so well for that as excitement. But if you're there on the side of the road, it, it, it makes no difference at all. I realise that's not what we're catering for. We're catering for the broader audience. Um, and and this points solution uh, maybe goes some way to to alleviating, alleviating that, but it's such a complicated story to tell. Um, I don't think it'll translate at all. I don't see a way that it'll be translating. I, I'm feeling like I'm, I might not be watching Sunday stages on WRC.com. I I have to say I I would agree with with Alistair uh, there. I think you know that, and this is this is a concern that. As as a beatable pointed out in in the story, you know Sunday at the minute when WRC Sunday's on, generally there's not there's no F one, there's there's not really any WEC. Uh, you know he said it's it's almost an open goal that we've got these people that we can grab. Uh, you know people who would watch rugby or football on a Saturday, we can bring them in and we can watch WRC on a on a Sunday. But if they're tuning in, and inevitably. <clears throat> You know, if somebody's going along, quite rightly, George, you, you, you say if you're standing at the side of the road, you're not going to notice. But if you're watching um, onboards and stuff and the, and the commentators are talking about, oh, they're, you know, traveling quite slowly, just saving their tires. What's the point of coming, you know, as a, as a punter to watch, to consume that content when you're being told, oh, yeah, they're just they're conserving their tires. They're taking it pretty steady. Um, this will get rid of that. It, it absolutely will, because seven points is huge yeah um, yeah uh, but Elvin, Elvin said give us one point you know we'll fight like hell for one point um so yeah there's I, I think Alistair you've, you've called it right there um in that we we do need something to to bring that Sunday along but you know one of the first people I spoke to after this thing came out was Yerry Matty um and immediately as, as drivers do they analyzed it and and Yerry Matty said, you know, the thing that concerns me is now if you have a problem on Friday and you lose a load of time on Friday and you can't make it back up to classification, all you do is save your tyres on Saturday. You drive slowly all through Saturday so that you've got the perfect choice of tyres for Sunday. 
when he can attack again and chase those 12 points. Um, and the so other, are we... The other concern... Sorry. David, sorry. The, the other concern I've heard raised by both uh, Thierry Neville and Oit Tack is for the, for the full-time drivers on gravel rallies, when they'll be starting, obviously, towards the front of the running order, they'll have less time to catch up um, to, to, to try and get as many points as they can uh, on the on the part-time guys because they've now effectively only got what fr- Friday and Saturday to, to catch back up um, because Sunday's you know effect- effectively a reset. So um, I think what they're saying is um, also because there's now less points uh, available on Friday Saturday uh, and the full-time guys might be further down the, the pecking order and therefore get less points. Um, there could be could be uh, less of a gap in in the championship because a guy can't pull away because if if on gravel rallies a full time driver doesn't have the time to catch up and try and win then they might all be finishing sort of fourth fifth sixth so it could could have quite far reaching implications throughout the season and, and that you know I think that's exactly why um, the FAA is going to keep an eye on this uh, if if it is confusing if it is. <laughs> potentially disrupting um the championship then it has to be changed you know it the fa has done this before we've seen this um uh, mid-season change and they shouldn't be afraid of it but it you know it will be quite an upheaval um to kind of go back and say no we're going back to the original points because people will strategically look at the way they're going to run their monte carlo rally this year and that will be biased now you know they'll, they'll be in each team the strat the statistician, not the statistician, but the strategist will be looking through every potential way to exploit this new point system. Um, so if they gear their event towards that strategy and then mid-year, the FAA is saying, well, actually, we're going to change it back to how it was so you lose those Saturday night points or whatever. I don't know. I mean, maybe it stays as it is and I don't know. But the, the good thing is that <laughs> there is that potential for change. But the bad thing is that from my side if this had been done differently and we you know taken a different path we perhaps wouldn't have needed to change um but it's certainly given us plenty to to talk about pre-season now hasn't it it certainly it has, certainly I, has mean, I, 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 I mean i would have even considered you know finishing the rally on saturday night and having a having a, a monte carlo sprint on the sunday you know maybe that's a, a better idea yeah, seen that, seen that idea floated as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be certainly be interesting to see how this one plays out. All rallying, one source. By now, you know that Dirtfish.com is the place to go for all of your rallying news. But when it's time to try your hand behind the wheel, just join us here at Dirtfish Rally School, nestled in the Cascade Mountains in Snoqualmie, Washington. Whether you're a pro seeking extra seat time or a novice looking to get started, We've got programs tailored to all rallying needs. And when you want to watch the best in the world, just head over to our YouTube channel. Our coverage of the WRC and American rallying is second to none. Follow us at Dirtfish Rally across all social media platforms and shop the latest looks in our merchandise store now. As always, rally on. Looking back, sorry, at the the Rally One entry list, just for anyone, anyone new to the sport, uh, who's perhaps not aware, um, three three Toyotas, three Hyundais and two M Sport Fords on the entry list uh, in Rally 1. So that's what to look out for. Um, but guys, there's also 
a lot of intrigue in the support class, or what, what's often termed the support class, but arguably isn't a support class this year with WRC2. Alistair, a lot of storylines in that class, and, and chief among which is Toyota's entrance with their GR Yaris. Yeah, I mean, we're not even really going to see WRC2 at full strength yet. Monty, we have a, a few people kicking about. Interestingly, a couple of potential contenders for the title are here, but haven't registered to actually score any points it's a bit of a bit of a warm-up event um sammy Pyre is one of the guys in those new toyotas that you mentioned um and i uh, i spoke to him just a couple of days ago and there'll be a when you're listening to this there will be a feature on dirtfish.com that you can read uh sammy's thoughts ahead of this rally but he is not planning to go full push for him this is just getting acclimatized with the new car because, uh, I mean, he's only done uh, a, a regional event in France as a course car to kind of get a feeling for the type of roads that there are in Monty. And he's done one test in the Alps, and he's also done a snow test for Rally Sweden in Finland already. But aside from that, that's his entire running in the yards so far. So he's still sort of getting a little, little bit acclimatised uh, in the switch because he was in the uh, Fabia RS Rally 2 run by Talksport last year, which uh, Oliver Solberg is also here in, again, not registered for points. So those guys you would expect will be fast, but they won't be scoring any points. In terms of the WRC 2 season as a whole, I mean, you've got to look at Johan Rossell for this rally. You know, he's done it a bunch of times. If I remember correctly, he has won WRC 2 uh, on this event before. He is registered yeah, for points. Defending winner, it I would believe. surprise me if he does not walk out of here as championship leader at the end of the weekend. That said, you know, plenty of other guys who are fast on the entry list. Um, Nikolaj Kiemen in a, in a, is back in a Hyundai. He usually does well in this sort of event. It'll be interesting to see how Pepe Lopez does. You know, he's I think he's struggled a little bit on these kind of less grippy asphalt events. You know, very, very fast driver. Uh, in, from Spain and has been a top sort of leading contender in the national championship there. So he does well when the, the conditions are a bit warmer, is a bit more grip, a bit more consistency. So he might do well in, in mild conditions. Stefan Leferve is back. Now that's that's a bit of a blast from the past. And of course, he's he's competed for wins in WRC2 recently at Ipa, for example. Um, so he's one of the drivers in the new Yaris. And uh, this is really a blast from the past. Brian Bouffier, we've not seen him for about five years in any rally anywhere. And he's suddenly, he's, he's back and he's in one of the Yarises. As is Jan Solens, again, another young up and coming guy from Spain. Uh, not sure how he's going to go, but, he, you know, he's shown turns of speed. Jan. So there's a really strong um, lineup of Toyotas here. None of them are factory cars um, of those that are here. That should be you know, stressed. Toyota have gone to great lengths to point out that the Prince Sport car that Pyrian is in is not in any way, shape or form a factory car. Yes, Prince Sport are getting a little bit of engineering help from TGR at the beginning of running the car, as you normally do when a preparation firm buys a car from a manufacturer. You get a little bit of, of help to get started. But, you know, there's aside from that, not really any special treatment, well, at least I've been made aware of that, that Sammy is mentioned uh so it's it's just a standard customer car but it will be very interesting to see how the three-cylinder yaris gets up against the more traditional 
Rally 2 cars, especially the Fabia, which, you know, I think is universally considered the benchmark. No, it well, is. I think, yeah. I think I'm sure we can allay our, sorry, David, I'm sure we can allay our fears about the performance. Toyota took a huge amount of time deciding if they were going to make a Rally 2 car. And they really put it on the back burner for a while uh, in, in terms of getting it out in, in plenty of time. They just took their time. So they will have done performance tests against all the other uh, team team's cars categorically. And uh, I would be fairly confident that the car is going to be at least on the mark of the uh, of the of the great of the great Skodas and Citroens. So uh, and, and of course, the, the Fiesta, because the Fiesta is right back up there at the, the, the bleeding edge of uh, of the performance as as um, as Adrian Formo showed us last year. So uh, it's, John, it's the, surprising to notice how few uh, Fords there are. I think you're down at car number 20 before we see a Fiesta. Yeah, that's 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 just what I was going to say, George. There's no no one driving the new Fiesta. Well, there are there are a couple of guys, but but probably no front runners. So um, we we could have could have had a five manufacturer battle in WRCT, but it looks like we'll have a four way battle between manufacturers. Sorry, David. I I think it's a massive missed opportunity for a lot of these young drivers. You know, they're all paying for their drives. They've paid for Skodas. They're paying for Toyotas. They're paying for for Citroens. And sure, you'd have to pay for your Ford Fiesta for your for, for your Rally Two car, but M Sports there. M Sport would run and and have traditionally run cars out the back of the factory team, so you could get the ultimate, the absolute ultimate Fiesta assistance package. It's just sitting there waiting for these guys. What are they thinking about? Chris Ingram in a in a Skoda. Why is he not driving a Fiesta? You know, and and you know, M M Sport would give them the most amazing support. What's yeah. going on there? I, I, I was just going to say, I think we do see this with Monty, don't we? That that actually you you have this event that sort of stands alone almost outside of the championship. Last year, Oliver Solberg didn't score points. This year, he's not. Um, I think we, we start to see more of a, a, a real sort of championship taking shape from Sweden onwards. Uh, and I think from certainly from Sweden... Um, perhaps not Safari, but Croatia. We'll start to see more and more Fiestas coming in. Um, and as well, George, it's still it's if you're in in WRC two, January this this week in January is still pretty early in the season. If you're still trying to get your your partners in place, your sponsors in place, and even your car in place, the the option to take another month and get ready for Sweden uh, is probably one you're going to take. And this. Monty does divide opinion, doesn't it? Every, some people see it as a real opportunity to go there and, and make a name for yourself on what is still one of the biggest motorsport events in the world. Um, but other people say, you know, I'm never going to beat Johan Rossell, who's got so much experience of the event. Um, and there's so much jeopardy there that, you know, one wrong tyre choice and I could be off the side of the mountain and, and that's that. So I'm not going to take that risk. I'll start in Sweden where these days we can rely on the conditions more um maybe it's that i don't know um but i was also very surprised uh at the number particularly because you could see the way that fiesta was being developed through uh the last season uh and formo was sensational in it um so yeah but i'm sure we'll see we'll see more of them as a, as the season progresses but like alistair said it's this is almost a kind of a shakedown for for the real wrc2 season which is which is coming from from sweden onwards but still, if you win... You make WRC... a good point, though, about the M Sport lineup. You know, you think it, it's only really just struck me now we're having this conversation. 
M Sport does not have anyone ready to go in their uh, Rally 2 Challenger because they promoted both their drivers from last season. And really, you look at who's about, who's available. I honestly can't think of, you know, if you want to entrust two factory cars to really kind of get the big results to show what the Fiesta Rally 2 could do, who would you actually turn to at this point? No, difficult question. Difficult question, particularly for this hour. I, I, I think you're right, <laughs> but I'm sure that, you know, there are far, far more intelligent people than us who do know exactly who they're going to turn to. Uh, and as I say, I'm sure we'll see more Fiestas out as the season unfolds. Yeah, well, people surely recognise. So. People will be casting around. Surely they'll realise and recognise their opportunity. It's it's, it's a commercial. WRC two is a, a commercial uh, enterprise. You know, everybody's mm. everybody's paying. Everyone has sponsors, so they're quite free to shift around their their vehicles if they're not getting the performance they're looking for. But what about and that Fiesta was really good last year. What about Chris Ingram now having Prince Albert of Monaco yeah. sitting next to him in in his Skoda? That's pretty yeah. cool. We're, we're talking to Chris later on today, so stay tuned to Dirtfish.com for a full story on on what brought royalty uh, alongside Chris Ingram uh, in his Skoda. And speaking, speaking we David, that he's not actually doing the rally with, with Chris. <laughs> yeah, and that would be a story. <laughs> I think that's a missed opportunity, isn't it? Well, in fairness, we don't know. He might be. He might be running under a pseudonym. Uh, but let's... Oh yes, <laughs> Han- Hannah McKillop. Yeah, exactly. Good, good <laughs> it's doubtful. It's very okay. doubtful. But conspiracy. Solid. But it, it, regardless, you know that kind of exposure for a guy like Chris is fantastic, um, and and good good luck to him. Uh, but we will find out the full story uh, and come back to you. We will, and that's a good reminder, David, for everyone to stay tuned to dirtfish.com for. All of the news in the lead up to Monty this week. Of course, keep an eye on our YouTube channel. We'll have David and Colin on the ground bringing you updates every day from... When when, when do you first get there, uh, David? Is it Tuesday? We get there Tuesday, yep. But we're, we're stopping off en route to Gap uh, to film our preview uh, with a special guest, uh, which will be great. Uh, and so, yeah, we get, to, we get to Gap on Tuesday late night. Uh, and, yeah... So looking forward to it, looking forward to feeding back. And of course, uh, for the for the second year now, Dirtfish Live Center it will be up and running uh, with literally up to the nanosecond uh, updates through audio, video, everything. Basically, if it's happening, it'll be on Dirtfish Live Center. It certainly will. And uh, make sure you it. stay. George will be there. Uh, come, and, come and join George in Dirtfish Live Center. Um, George, you never, you never, you never leave your comments in in, in DLC. I, I I I will do that this weekend. I promise to do that um, uh, earnestly and honestly. I, I will absolutely do that. They will be acerbic. Okay. They will be to I was, the point. I was going to say maybe somebody uh, should edit some. <laughs> well, that's probably quite a good idea. Why they why they go in through the they go in through the WhatsApp group. Therefore, they're they're slightly attenuated already. That's probably really good. Um, we can filter uh, and saving, yeah. saving, me, saving me from myself. You've just got to remember that, <laughs> I, I, that this is uh, as a team manager. I, I love this event because uh, it's a seriously big challenge. Even a dry Monte Carlo, there are challenges here. The key is everything absolutely right. You take nothing for granted. Mm. You make you. You're not running a team to have fun. You're running a team to make it perfect so that the drivers can win everything. One little mistake. 
and it just has a little effect there. There's a maybe a knock-on effect, but if you're well prepared, you can recover that. Um, I, I look at uh, the Toyota team and I, and I see Tom Fowler, an engineer, uh, stroke team manager, as far as I'm concerned, to, to a great extent. You know, he's, he's, he's like an acting a joint team mm. principal because he has such a firm grip on everything. I, I, I would love the insights um, in the team. Maybe, maybe you can persuade Toyota to let me follow him through an event at some point, David, so that I can uh, I can make all the correct observations. But they'd probably be reluctant because it gives too much away. Well, I'm sure we can we can but, but ask George. We can ask. One yeah. thing I wanted to ask you though, George, is okay. Recky is 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 about to start. What in as as a team manager, as a team principal, what? What would you have been doing at this time? As in, I guess your job would have evolved, wouldn't it, down the years from maybe being, as we know, being out on the recce. But how nervous, how anxious are you for the start of the season? Or do you just let the boys get on with it? Uh, at, at, at the recce point, you're just letting the boys get on with it. What I would have had uh, at this point, uh, I would have been driving down when I worked in Cologne mm. or even when I worked for, for Subaru and Mitsubishi. I generally went out a little bit early and I would drive some of the stages so that I would get an idea what what, what the conditions were right. because ultimately I, I would always have a couple of joker weather crews that I could put in. So I would look at the access roads, I would look at the conditions, see what's happening. I would go as a, maybe a few key points where I, I would wonder about the road condition and when, when it melted, when the sun struck the, the ground at a particular time of day. You know, the, the drivers can feed you a lot of that back on the recce but, but they're busy wrecking, mm. so I would have people out doing a recce. I would go and do a little bit myself, just, just as a comfort as much as anything else, just to give me the insights on the ground, because I'll be making the call. You know, that Ultimately, yeah. I'm deciding where that resource goes based on input from interested parties. So you know, you've, got to, you've got to be able to get a, a proper overview so that you can actually make sure the right decision's made. Um, so I'd have been out doing that. I don't think I think you can't do that these days. Uh, you can't teams can't drive over the stages willy nilly anymore. No. Um, it, but really, the key is getting out, getting my weather teams, uh, and and most importantly, the weather teams are one thing. Um, what you want to do? I, I used to I used to go and recce the weather points, and then I would have I would have photographs or take notes of each point. And if the weather crew, I didn't know them so well, I would ask them, are they in position? Yes. I said, what does the road sign across the road say? Yeah. And they couldn't tell you, right, you're in the wrong place. Bugger off. <laughs> don't need to see you. Just don't don't come back. You know, I, I didn't quite, I wasn't quite as hard as that. But I have, yeah, you heard, were. I have heard people saying what a, what an absolute uh, horrible person I was to work with. No. If, if a team member, if a team member, uh, even a visiting team member, is incapable of doing their job and 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 then deceives your team about it. You know, okay, look, if a weather crew can't be in the right place, if they've made a mistake, fine, I can live with that. Mm. What I can't stand is them telling me information that's going to make a tire choice that's going to get me wrong. And I have seen that happen. Yeah. Not, I have to say, under my watch, but I've seen it happen adjacent to my watch and uh no you're right incompetence thrive yeah you can uh, you know you can't stand for that that sort of stuff at all but just i remember talking to yerry matty now that things have changed on the recce now george and you have one car uh an engineer's car which allows i think four people to to travel 
through yeah, the wreck. One pass, yeah. one pass, one time. So they can't go back and see when the sun comes up on a particular stage. They're really, they're really hamstrung on it. It's a bit of a shame, but it, it is. But it um, was in- sh- interesting talking to Gary Matty about this, and obviously he's not one of the engineers that goes out, so he doesn't do the recce. And he said exactly what you said. He said, you know, actually, you do want to just go out there um, and have a look. <clears throat> excuse me, and just be around and and understand what the road's doing, how the roll the road's evolving through the day, and 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 he said you feel almost kind of disconnected um, with the event when you don't have that opportunity. So clearly, it is you know it's it's exactly what um, what you were talking about. It's 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 difficult, isn't it? Well, it's an event. It's an event where uh, team strategy and team management uh, in in as in as far as how you how you uh, array your resources and how you how you interpret those resources. I mm. mean, how you make sure that the right information is coming in. That that's the key element. It is so much fun. It's so interesting. Uh, you know, that's where I think you know the the Netflix type program that we see on Formula One would be amazing on Monte Carlo Rally. And that's yeah. kind of what yeah. I would like to do with the likes of Tom Fowler, uh, to to follow him through specifically him, uh, because he is such a focused individual uh, I, I, I bemoan not being able to work with them I really would have liked to have worked with Tom Fowler because I think it would just be utterly rewarding who, he just would lift everyone up around him who would you see who good. who would who would have been a, a contemporary Tom for you was he was he an Uwe Anderson uh, uh, was oh, he a, a Pepper was he a no 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 he's right up there he's right up there with my favorite engineer of all time it's Carl, this early in the morning. Who, who, who Carl was? Heinz no, no, Carl Heinz. Carl Heinz was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. One of my favourite people. But but the best ever is the Citroen engineer, isn't it? Ah yes, Jean Claude Vaucard. Guess his name, Jean Jean Claude Vaucard. Wow, unbelievable yeah. guy. One of the nicest men in the world, and utterly utterly focused and determined. Yeah. And that that guy is is reincarnated not not that it's in any way gone but, but he has been uh, he, he, so so Jean-Claude Vaucard Jean-Claude Vaucard will be out there on Monte Carlo mm. watching and he'll be following all the little cars and having a great time because he loves rally I used to bump into Jean-Claude how I got to know him properly was walking around service points after our cars had left you would find him walking around looking at the club cars really and you know and he was it George George look at this look what these guys have done Look how clever that is. I'm going to do that on my car. Yeah. You know? a, a guy that was never too proud to actually take and use utterly. Yeah. Other people's The man was a, the man was a, a, an engineering giant in rally terms. And you know the 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 T16, the, yeah. the 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 Peugeot the Peugeot 205 T16 and the Zara. The, the, the Zara, of course, uh, the the Monte Car the the Le Mans winners, he's done it all. Mm. He's done it all, and wow. and and Tom and I know he, Tom will not be listening to this because he will be one hundred percent used up on everything else, but but Tom is that level of giant, wow. and he is high so praise indeed. Self self effacing to, to speak to. Yeah, you know, what a, an absolute reward for everyone in that team to work with him categorically. Yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of, of Tom Fowler, one of his drivers, Sebastian Ogier, guys, nine-time Monte Carlo winner, going for his 10th win this year. David, looking at looking at the competition this year, you've got to, got to say Ogier is the overwhelming favourite, isn't he? I would say so, yeah. 
because we've talked about the the part-time drivers uh, this year already, and you know the one big bonus that the part-time drivers have got is the ability to to go out and drive their event. Um, and if they if they want to take more risk to win the event, then they can, because they they don't have to concern themselves with with championship points. Uh, and I think certainly will we would see that more. I would say with with Ogier in Monte Carlo because it's the one that he really wants. You know, ten. 10 Monty wins it's, it's astonishing you can't you can't imagine that being beaten really can you um it's it, it's a huge huge deal um so so yeah so no i think he's the guy uh he's he's got the best knowledge of the event he knows the event inside out he knows the weather he knows all sorts uh so for me yep he's he's the one to beat i mean you have to also Consider that he he won his very first Monte Carlo. Who does that? Which that's that sounds impossible, but he somehow did it. So it's there's just something about Ogier on this event that just clicks, and you'd have to be extremely bold to suggest anyone could could possibly beat him without Ogier making either some sort of mistake or or having some sort of mechanical. I think if neither of those things happen. Sorry to the rest of the field, but I really don't see how Ogier could possibly be beaten here otherwise. Well, I mean, it is a rally, so I think you know the the the, punct, the puncture possibility is always there. This is a dry Monty; it's uh, uh, not so cold, so we're maybe not so seeing so many rocks on the road. That will tempt drivers to take slightly bigger chances and leave less margin, which means the strangely enough the the, the likelihood of a tire should there be some a tire puncture. Uh, uh, tire damage, I should say, not a puncture, uh, is slightly greater. So, um, so somehow the the two things almost contradict each each other. So, for me, the three guys on on performance alone, uh, obviously Thierry, Elfin, and uh, and Seb are are on a very even plane, and uh, Ott isn't terribly far behind, and neither neither of course is is Taka. So. Yeah, I think all, all those guys are, are really, really close in I, into the fight. I can't see Taka making much. I think Taka and Monty, Katsuta-san, he will drive with a finish in mind. Uh, because, you, you, George, you do... What's so vital, isn't it, is to take experience from this event. Uh, because it can be so unique. Um, and Taka doesn't have a vast amount of experience. Yeah, he's done it a few times, but I think... I'm not sure he'd be he'd be chasing a win uh, this time. Um, no, no, not not a win. But I think he'll be he'll be he'll be close in there. And and Adrian Formo, well, maybe yeah. he'll give us a little bit of a surprise. I think he won't be far. He won't be far away. But he's. I think that he's the one driver that's really hamstrung. I feel on this one because yeah, Adrian, we want to see you coming away from here. You know, with a. Uh, a top five position, I, I would say, mm. you know, is the minimum, and then that gets you on the points table, you know, and, and uh, given given his um, his l- current level of experience and and historically what's happened to him, I would say, don't take a chance, don't go for the power stage, and don't yeah. try for the those individual stage wins. Put something in the bank, get that experience, get that confidence. Go away from this event kicking yourself, thinking I could have gone so much faster. But actually, what you learned. What you learned, what you took away from here was an unbelievable level of discipline. You got points on the table. 
um, and that means something. And yes, you were angry about the performance, but actually there would be some places where, you know, even at that, there'll be places where he will have close ones, you yes. know, even, even being that careful. And therein lies the lesson. And that's what a lot of these young drivers have got to build and take away. And it, it enters into the very core of your being, that experience. It, it becomes part of the fabric of your being. It's, it's an unthinking, unconscious a little radar that you get built into your body and it builds up with experience that's what he needs to bring away from it so I wouldn't expect anything much better than a top four or five depending on retirements could be more yeah but I think he'll be close I think he'll be closer than people think I hope I'm Kellen Koshal and I just did my first dirtfish course, which was the one day women's course. My biggest surprise was how calm it could be in the car and the calmer I was, the faster I could make the car go. The surprising thing about driving was that it wasn't necessarily a mental thing. I had to really get out of my head and into my body more and I just felt a little more comfortable doing that for the first time around a group of women. But I will say, I do feel like I could do any of the dirtfish courses now. I kind of know what to expect and you know, hopefully more women get into motorsports and then any day could be an all-women's day if just enough of us are in the sport. If I were talking to someone who was thinking about taking a class who was kind of on the fence, it would be, you know, what are you waiting for? It's such a fun experience. Um, you're going to really learn something and you're going to push your limits and maybe you'll even have some more confidence. Well, one guy. Uh, George, the, the actually the only man in the field who has beaten Sebastian Auger on this rally is is Thierry Neuville. So, what about his chances? Yeah, I think Thierry's chances are fantastic. If Thierry can start this event properly uh, and get into his groove, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me in a strange way to see Thierry being unstoppable on this one. Yeah, and then you get that very relaxed Thierry mm. at the end of day one. And he, oh my God, here we go, unstoppable. But, you know, as we said, this, it's only a tiny wee mistake away. It's, Cyril Abitable will be getting some grey hairs on this rally, I suspect. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, you see, you talk about that super relaxed Thierry. Uh, and we've seen it so many times when he's won rallies and, and just looks so comfortable in doing it. And you just think, wow, this guy absolutely nailed on world champion this year. Uh, because when it's flowing and when it's all working for him, it looks like it it comes so easily to him, so naturally. Uh, and you almost can't imagine him being beaten. Uh, so if he does get into that flow, uh, well, let's see. It's a long year ahead. Yeah, it is. It's and, a long and, year. And, and as you've and said, and just... everybody wants to take points away. But yeah. uh, Thierry, maybe, you know, everything that happened, that's happened to Thierry over the years has been so close, rather rather like Elfin, uh, although more so for Thierry. Uh, maybe maybe he's he's the one that does need to take the gamble on Monte and actually really go for it. Yeah, yeah, no, no. he's the one. And then if he you know if he comes away from this event with extra points more than anyone else, uh, I think he's put himself in a great position um, for the rest of the year. And that's maybe just what he needs is a great start to put him on the front foot and then try and hold the advantage. And then Elfin uh, and and Ott they're having to they're having to chase him. Yeah. So. Yeah, apologising if you're hearing a wafting over my uh, over my my recording. The, the cat's tail has been wagging over, <laughs> over my over my microphone. He's been outside uh, post storm. It's still windy out there, and he comes to my office and comes up and sits there and demands biscuits, which I do give him because <laughs> it's I'm breakfast soft. time. Slightly unexpected turn in the podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, let's let's. But maybe George's cat is a is a good way to end. 
no, David, we've got to we've got to make our picks to win. And the reason we have to make our picks to win because uh, is because one man's already got his picks in, and that's Colin Clark. So I'll tell you now that Colin has picked uh, Sebastian Auger to win the rally, and in Rally Two or WRC Two, I should say, he's picked Johan Russell. So with that in mind, George. Give me your picks for Rally 1 and Rally 2 on the Monty. I'm going to go with Wishlist, okay? Wishlist is... Uh, I'm going to give this one to Elfin, uh, Thierry, and then Ott, okay? And then Monty for WR, for, w, for WRC, WRC 2 or whatever we call it these days... Um, uh, it's hard to go past Rossell, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, young Mister Solberg uh, is gonna is gonna win it. He's not he's not registered for points, but you're right. He can yeah, be rally. He, he will, he'll he will first win, he rally will win the category. Yeah. yeah, I think he'll he'll be first rally too. So even though it's dry, I think he can do it. In 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 an effort to maintain harmony in the car, I'll go with Ogier and Rossell just so I can agree with Colin, so he's not shouting at me for the whole week. Insight into Dirtfish Dynamics there. I'm going to mix things up a bit and go a bit left of field. Um, let's say, oit, just because something, you you know, uh, maybe Oji gets a puncture like like uh, George says uh, might happen. Let's say that is what happens. Then I go for oit to win. And in Rally 2, I am going to go for Stefan Leferve. I'm going to say that that new Yaris Rally 2 is an absolute monster of a machine. And of the drivers in that car, I think Leferve is the most likely candidate to be at the front of the four. You know, Sammy A, not registered for points, B, needs more experience. Brian Buffy hasn't been in any sort of rally for five years. And Jan Solans, again, very young guy, needs needs to clock some more miles. So of those Toyotas, I think Leferve is the best place to make something happen. And, you know, if it's as good as we're hearing, who knows, it might beat the Skoda straight out of the gate. Amazing. I think that's a great shout, actually, Alistair. Absolutely great shout. Well, I'm, I'm going to go bold with my Rally 1 pick. Sorry, David. Uh, I'm going to take Mr. Confident Thierry Neuville to win in Rally 1, and then I'm going to go boring with WRC2 and pick Russell because he just seems to have this rally figured out in that Citroen. Yeah. Okay, well, Truth. I'm not going to write any of these down because I'm wanting full deniability. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, George. I, I've got I've got my pen out. We, we, we will we'll review <laughs> our success next week. Don't you worry. Um, <laughs> okay, guys, I think we've covered everything. I think I think we've got through a pretty good preview there. Everyone looking forward to to another season getting underway. Yeah, can't wait. Beyond, beyond, beyond belief. I'm looking forward to the controversy and to all the action, um, and to WRC two becoming our new category. Yeah, prime category. Oh, okay. And looking forward to following it all on Dirtfish Live Centre. Oh yes, fantastic! Oh, absolutely, we'll be there Thursday night and all of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Dirtfish Live Centre is your place for all of the live updates, and uh, we'll see you there. So. That's it then. Monte Carlo is upon us. Thank you very much for listening to Spin the Rally Pod. We'll see you next time.